Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Um, You know when you meet somebody and you're just kind of like, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, this person is is super cool. Like, they're way cooler. <laughs> they're way cooler than me. And you just like instantly look up to somebody and you're just instantly like, whoa, like someday I could be as awesome as this person. That's how I feel about both of the guests on today's podcast. Um, we're bringing back on Esther Harani. We're bringing on uh, her friend, her adventure buddy, Megan Hicks. Um, and they're both these high-level athletes, endurance athletes. I mean, you could look into the history of both of them and you're just like blown away. Esther's done so many things in uh, long distance, like ultra cycling, like mountain biking, bike packing, all of that. And she's an incredible. We did an episode with her um, way back when. So I'm, I'm trying to remember the number off the top of my head. I'll put it in the outro. But you can go back and listen to that. Um, and then Megan's literally done seemingly everything there is to be done in ultra running, which I know she'd, she'd be like, no, 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 no. There's like a billion more things I want to do, which is true. But um, but I was just looking at her ultra sign up. I'm like, wow, she did that race and then that race. And then she signed up for this one and like, holy smokes, she's done everything. Um, and in this episode, we don't talk about any of that stuff. We don't really talk about like the competitive races that they've been in. Cause I think we talk about something more important to each of their souls and, and more important to their friendship. Uh, it seems like by going on just crazy adventures deep in the wilderness with each other, they've kind of uh, developed this really cool, um, funny bond and this awesome uh, friendship. And and I think that really comes across when you talk with them. Like you can just tell, like along with just people being really cool and you're like, dang, man, when I grow up, I'm going to be Esther and Megan. Um, <laughs> but along with people just being cool, you can also get this feeling of when people are just really good friends and when that friendship has been forged by the outdoors, by uh, going on adventures and misadventures and all of that stuff. And talking to Esther and Megan, like you just you get to experience that. So um, I am really excited to kind of dive in and like just explore their love of adventure. Um, hear some of their stories. I mean, they've done so many awesome things in the mountains of Colorado, in in the deserts of Utah and Arizona. Like it's something I definitely admire, uh, especially at the end of the year as we're approaching the end of 2021. And I'm starting to think about like, what adventures do I want to seek out in 2022? Where are places I want to go? Where where are places I want to explore that I've never been and all that stuff? And then hearing their stories, like it's just the, the things they've been able to do and, and kind of the lessons they learned and just their attitude about it. Like Esther is so zen about adventure in general she's just like yeah we'll we'll figure it out we'll go out there and it's gonna be too cold but we'll we'll be fine we'll we'll get through it and we'll laugh we'll have some laughs along the way um about our suffering and megan's just so gung-ho of like sure like i'll try that for sure and it's the exact attitude the exact mindset that you need to have a really good time on an adventure, even when it's kind of cold and kind of miserable and you're just kind of laughing your way through it. So 
Uh, let's get into it though. I'm super psyched for this episode. This is number uh, 281 with the amazing Esther Harani and Megan Hicks. We're going to talk all things adventure and misadventure, which is one of my favorite topics ever. Um, but I have to say this, I am like, I don't know if I'm like, uh, whatever, like blown away right now, but I've read Megan's name so many times on like the bottom of articles at I run far that I'm like, Whoa, I'm like, I'm in the presence of the person who wrote all those awesome articles. So welcome. <laughs> Oh man, that's a, that's a big thing to say. I, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, there's a real person behind the computer, <laughs> not a robot. <laughs> Remember that before you comment on all the articles. But anyways, welcome guys. I'm super excited. Thanks. Yeah. And so I kind of want to start with this. You guys are like high level, like elite athletes, like you've competed at really high levels, which is so amazing. Um, but today I kind of want to just focus on like your love of adventure, you know, like there's this whole like idea of like, there's a love of competition, but there's also just this love of adventure. And I feel like you two have found each other as friends who are just like, go on these wild, wacky adventures. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah. This is funny because I don't know if Megan's going to talk, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, we found each other, what, like five or six years ago now at the URA 100. Megan was pacing a friend and I was going up a climb and they were coming down a climb. And she stopped and she says, I, I know you, I read your blog. And I said, oh, I know you, I read your website. And then we passed in the night and that was that. But then... We sort of became COVID buddies last summer, um, sort of our little COVID bubble and did a whole bunch of adventures together and misadventures. Yeah, It's been fun. And for me, Esther is, um, Esther was an incredibly intimidating person to get to know because um, like we know of her as this crazy bike rider and all of all of these things that she's done and I'm pretty much like a preschooler on a bike um, and so going out and adventuring with her uh, was initially intimidating but I quickly learned that um, Esther deflects the whole world and all of its pressures with humor and joy and adventure slash misadventure so um, she's like really a perfect adventure partner yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I'll jump into that. I wrote that down as one of the questions. Like what makes a really wonderful adventure partner? Like, what are you looking for when you're like, Hey, this is the person I'm not only just going to do one kind of adventure with, but I'm going to do like multiple. I think durability and humor <laughs> are the, are the two things that I look for <laughs> that like I can drag Megan pretty much anywhere. And like, she might not be happy about it at the time, but she'll eventually do it. So are and you the one with the like evil plans, Esther? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> the answer to that is yes. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I think that I, I come up with a lot of dumb ideas and I just keep chucking them at Megan. 
And every once in a while, she like agrees to one. And then I'm a little like blown away that she actually agreed to it. And then she remembers for the next few months, like not to agree to my adventures after we survived that one. Um, but I don't know. Megan comes up with all sorts of dumb stuff too. It's true. We are, um, we are good at like looking at maps and coming up with um, quasi reasonable activities, which we then propose to each other. Um, and the other person will either say that's ridiculous and it cannot be done in two days or four days, or that seems unreasonable, but let's give it a shot. And that's how um, things form. I would say for me, what I would, yeah, the two pieces going into an adventure partner would have to be like the capacity to like not kill oneself in whatever you're going out to do. Um, just knowing that you can trust in that person to do whatever you're setting out to do or uh, be a, a good decision maker in modifying the plan. Like sometimes it's rough enough to like keep yourself in one piece and um, it's good to have a dependable partner that you know isn't going to, um, yeah, like cut their arm off or do something they're not comfortable with. They're gonna, you know, say that. And then the, the fun factor, like it, this is really all about having fun in life. And yeah, Esther makes it, makes it great fun being out in crazy places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so when does, uh, is there like a moment when like an outing quote unquote, like becomes an adventure to you guys? And like, when does that happen? Do you have any examples? Like Esther today, you went on like an outing all day, right? Was yes. there, a, is there a moment where it's like, oh, this has moved beyond that at this point? I mean, I guess like the common thing is an adventure begins when something doesn't go as planned. But I, I don't know, like, I think everything's an adventure. I think you can even like make making coffee in the morning an adventure if you like spill the coffee all over the place and then have to clean up and it's all, it's all a perception of what you're doing and if it's unknown and um, I don't know. I consider most of the things we do adventures, even if they're just little like two hour yeah. dork arounds. <laughs> dork around. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you have any, like any, like, do you agree with that Megan or is there like something, you know, that you kind of take a different perspective on? Yeah. I mean, I think both of the sports that Esther and I come from, like endurance bike riding and endurance running, they they reward the people who do the dumbest stuff and the longest stuff and the hardest stuff. And I um, I think that missed classes or it like sort of misplaces why we do these things. And yeah, I mean, right before this, um, had like an hour and a half break in my schedule. So I went out for a quick hour run. And, um, you know, for me, like, I'll qualify that as an adventure. Yeah, um, I hadn't been on that route in, you know, eight months. And um, there's always something new to see. And I'm here in a, running that route in a new season. I think um, anything can be an adventure. And it's more about like attitude or approach or, yeah, I just, I sometimes think it's unfair that the that the nice hour run gets like denigrated to you know this is too normal. <laughs> That's true. I love though when um 
I'll have an hour run planned. Like I'll, I usually go at like four in the four thirty in the morning, which sucks. And I hate it every time, but, I'll, but that's the only time I can go, but there's every once in a while. It's like, my wife's like, you can go tonight. I'll pick up all the kids. Like I have a day off. I'm like, yes, this is amazing. And so I'll go and there's, it's like 70 mile an hour winds or something. And I'm like, this is not what I expected for like the thing that I run all the time. But all of a sudden I'm getting blasted in the face with sand and stuff. And I'm like, this is awesome. But yeah, you're right. If you explain it and you're like, I went on my normal hour run and yet it was a wild adventure. Yeah. It's crazy. But, but yeah, so no, I got, I have respect for that too. Um, I, I did want to hear a little bit about your background, Megan. I mean, I know you've talked quite a bit about being a runner and all that, but, but how did you like, what did you like about it or connect so much with that? It's now become like your career. Um, I think a lot of it was an intentional and uh, also a goodly portion of it was like happenstance and luck and who and what you run across in life. I mean, I, my friend and I decided we wanted to start running, um, like when we got to high school. And so in eighth grade, we decided we should start running a mile or two a day to get ready for running track and cross country in high school. And, um, you know, like a lot of people will be like, I do not like running. And there's like a hump to get over. I never had that hump. I don't think, I think I always liked it. I don't think I was always good at it. Like it, I wasn't like fast right out of the gate or whatever, but I think there was something about it that I always liked. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever gotten over that hump. I still don't like it. <laughs> and yet you do run. Yet I do it. <laughs> Why do you do it then Esther? I don't. Yeah. Because, because Megan eggs you on. I mean, pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Um, I do it because it takes me to cool places yeah. that a bike can't take me to. And I mean, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't dislike running as much as I make myself out to dislike running. Um, I'm a runner under duress, but no, it's like the places that running can take you that you can go in like a day of being out and moving and moving on your feet is just amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Um, that's what drew me to it. Yeah. Back to Megan, the proper runner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Esther is a runner under duress, but I also need to qualify that she's like a good runner under duress. She She is a great runner under duress. I ran with, I ran with her one time on my normal one hour run, you know? Did I complain? I I don't, (laughs) if you did, it didn't register with me. So it was under duress. (laughs) <laughs> no i remember like you started up it's we, we were at table mountain right yeah yeah and you start up that steep hill yeah and like i'm a big fan of walking up hills and you started running up it and scott and i looked at each other and we're like oh no <laughs> oh no <laughs> this is a proper run that must have been a younger chris because now <laughs> i walk that hill and it's awesome i'm like this is the best <laughs> why was i ever running this, this that was dumb <laughs> i agree <laughs> I regret my uphill running. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, to bring us back, Megan, like, so you just always kind of loved it. Yeah. I mean, there's times that you don't like running when your feet hurt or your stomach hurt or whatever. But I think 
movement, um, just moving my body through places like watching trees go past and, um, or like, you know, like going on an out and back run and like seeing your footsteps of in the dirt of where you've been. There's just, I don't know, there's just really this like freeing, playful feeling that like doesn't go away. You know, I've been doing it for maybe 25 years now and you know, it, it isn't always easy and it isn't always comfortable, but there's something that's just like fun and playful and freeing about it. And I think that's what, as long as that's like sort of like the guiding force, um, I think I'll probably always try to do the running motion in some capacity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when did like writing about it and working, you know, being an editor for this ultra running website, like when did all that start? Yeah. So, um, when I was in my twenties, I worked in national parks as an educator and in communications for national parks. And in 2008, I believe I ran, I was, um, I had transitioned like from road running to trail running. And I was a couple years into ultra running and I signed up with a friend for the trans Rockies run, which is a five day stage race. Uh, in Colorado, which basically it's like grown-up summer camp, you know, you run in the mornings, you do fun things in Colorado in the afternoons, they feed you, they give you a tent, it's very like awesome, and um, I met Brian Powell, my now husband there, we got to, we lived across the country from each other at the time, got to know each other that week, Um, and a couple months later started dating, Um, he had founded I Run Far, um, an online magazine for trail running and ultra running as like his hobby, his night business. He was a lawyer uh, during the day. And um, soon our lives and our work sort of interwove with each other. Um, He moved out West to live with me. Um, This was a time where trail running and ultra running was like exploding. Um, You know, Scott Jurek's book and um, the book about the uh, Born to Run about the Tarahumara runners, like those were reaching their peak popularity, our sport was going through a little boom and it was kind of a perfect time for Brian to explore operating the website full time. Um, So yeah, we, uh, he moved out West. He pushed I Run Far full time very quickly. He needed a helper. I quit my job working in national parks and started writing and soon editing and the rest is history about 15 years later now. That's crazy. Okay. That's so cool. Was, was that hard? Like, I don't like, it's weird because you guys are so adventurous and I've made a joke when you first jumped on that you were inside. And I thought that was funny because I'm like, I don't expect you guys to be inside, but to like do a job like writing where you're sitting down on a computer when, when you're such a outdoorsy kind of spirit, is that a challenge or um, yes and no. I, I like words. I like wordsmithing. I like researching. I like the whole idea of, of writing. It's fun for me. Um, I think it's like kind of plays into how my brain works, but yeah, I do think that I go a little stir crazy if I don't have at least an hour outside every day. I'm like, uh, my husband has long joked that I'm a border collie and you know, border collies need a lot of exercise and they also need to like exercise their brains or they start chewing off door handles and stuff like that. And I 
I do think that I'm like that too. Like I need brain exercise through my work and then I need body exercise through running or being outside. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise you guys are going to have to replace all the door handles in your house. <laughs> which you have would... a problem with those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I want to get back to you, you guys going on adventures. So you kind of have this like buddy cop routine going on, which is like you're, you're egging each other on. You know, like I'm assuming Esther is trying to get you to be a mountain biker. You're trying to get her to be a trail runner. Like, can you kind of describe the buddy cop routine there? I mean, I have yet to convince Megan to be a mountain biker. We've been on what one ride together <laughs> in the past. I mean, we've been adventuring together for three or four years now. Yeah. And so Megan talked earlier about how she was intimidated by me because I rode my bike. But I just like to point out that like our first like mountain adventure together, she was training for Nolan's 14. This was, I think, three, three or four years ago. And she was like, oh, I'm going to um, climb up Oxford, Belford and Missouri Mountain um, and come back. And it should be like 15 miles. You want to come. And like I was still pretty new to running at this time. And like I mean, it's Megan Hicks. This is like a big deal right like she had like the Nolan FAT at the time and like had run all these things and she's like come run in the mountains with me and I was terrified like I was absolutely terrified and I show up and it's like well we're gonna be out for like eight hours and so like I show up with a camelback like full of water and like fully provisioned for like a big day in the mountains and she shows up and I'm like well how much water are you starting with she's like oh none and I was like how do you do that? And she's like, oh, I have like this little filter thing that like you just filter it. Like I know where all the creeks are. And I was like, oh, well, I have like two gallons of water on my back, but <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll try to keep up. <laughs> but like, yeah. So I just like to say that like, I, I have been very intimidated by Megan starting out and then also found that she was actually a very good human being. And I've learned a lot from her. That's um, awesome. But I have not, like, we've been on one mountain bike ride. And yeah, we need to change this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Esther is definitely the better friend in this respect, and that she's converted to pedestrian sports a lot better than um, I've converted to wheeled sports. But I do have to say that our first outing with each other on a bike was to climb up a 13,000 foot mountain pass uh, in the San Juan mountains on a bike and I was altitude acclimated and she was not. She had just arrived to altitude and yet she kicked. Can we swear on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. She kicked my ass. I was like, you know, looking at the ground, groveling with myself, pushing my bike up this and she's just spinning like a little sweetheart. Isn't um, it so, so frustrating? <laughs> it is. Oh my God. It I've is. been there. Oh. Wow. What yeah, did you learn okay. from that, from that ride though? Cause I feel like every time I mountain bike, I'm like, oh, I can do this differently. And it's like a billion times easier. Oh, I don't think I learned anything. <laughs> you learned about bike gearing. I think I simply learned that I'm never going to be that good at this, but yet it's still sort of fun. No, I was, I was tired after that. Like I had done a long tempo running workout and this was like an easy spin up a mountainside for esther come on <laughs> was i have to ask this esther was this all like an intricate plot for revenge like she invited you up all these 14ers to run 
and you're like, someday I'm going <laughs> to hit you on a bike and instantly 13,000 foot mountain. The funny thing is like, this wasn't even my idea. So like, I had showed up <laughs> to Silverton and Megan was like, Hey, or, or I'm going to go riding with Maggie. Um, Maggie good Good girl. Is that how you pronounce her last name? Who like is also a big deal. Um, yeah, she's runner, a complete and real badass. fast. Oh yeah. Um, and this is the first time I'd ever adventured with Maggie. So of course I'm like double intimidated and I'm not acclimated and they're acclimated and they're like, Oh, we're going to ride bikes. And I'm thinking like, Oh, we'll just like go spin out to like Howardsville or like go ride rainbow trail or something like super easy. And I show up and they're like, we're going to ride up cinnamon pass. And I was like, really? Like, I thought I was going to die. I was like, so this is where we see like, if like the thousands of hours of bike riding that I have done of that muscle memory will actually like make up for my lack of fitness and my lack of red blood cells. And, and it when did by when, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> when the road is steep enough, yes. Um, I did make up for it. Yeah. But it was, what about, it was fun. What about downhill? Like, I always find, like, downhill is intimidating. On a bike? Yeah. Do you run downhill? That's terrifying. Running downhill... <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. It is, but it's, I don't know, for some reason on the bike, I'm like, if I go over these handlebars, like I'm flying, I'm propelling myself forward. Versus if you catch your toe on a rock, you do the same thing on foot. That's so true. Gosh. Which by the way, Esther, when you uh, photograph that race, that mountain bike thing Mm -hmm. this fall, I was going down and I'm not good at mountain biking, but I was going down one of the trails on the bike and my handlebars hit a tree. Explain this to me, because I don't know how this happened. My handlebar hit like an aspen tree, and I flew off my bike, just like I just described. But like my bike went down, my feet went over the handlebars, but I landed on my feet. And then I looked around, and I'm like, nobody saw that. Like I'm in the <laughs> woods, no one's around. And I don't know how that happened. But anyways, that's just a side note. Now, I, I've seen those crashes before, like the saves of those crashes, and it's always really impressive. Yeah, I was like, so, like how was... people land on their feet. Yeah, I was like, if we had a slow mo of that, it would be messed up how that happened. I have no idea. Versus, like, if I catch a toe on a rock, like I'm guaranteed to like face first on That's the trail. True. But we've all done that, Megan. You've <laughs> you've done that before, right? It's true. My uh, knees are like permascarred from my first couple of years of trail running because. Like I came from road running where we like to move fast and you have to pick your feet. Like the faster you move in trail running, the more you have to pick your feet up. And that like inverse relationship does not exist in road running. And it has to be trained into you when you convert over. So my knees are perma scarred, but I, I am scared of, I'm more scared of biking downhill fast than running downhill fast. And um, I like to shout when I'm on my bike, grandma's coming <laughs> when I'm riding really slow downhill. <laughs> yeah yeah well so what other so you mentioned those two which is just so funny to me it's just like what adventures did you start with and it's like we climbed all these giant mountains and you're like yeah that makes sense that checks out that checks out but what <laughs> other kind of like big time things have you done i know you guys have done like backpacking slash like fast packing trips and uh, have you have you done has esther got you to pack raft yet Yes. yes. Yeah, she got me to pack raft enough times that I've now ordered and will shortly own my own pack raft. So um, I only have to convince her to put it in a smaller pack and carry it jogging sometimes. So 
And then you can start ipackraftfar.com. Oh, I'm going to right after this podcast. You gotta pick that up. Yeah, you got to pick that <laughs> up go right away. Buy that website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what other kind of things have you guys done? And is there any like memorable stories? Well, there's endless memorable stories. Um, I feel like this summer we did a fair, we did a fair number of like backpacking trips in the Wemenuch. We did a seven dayer where we started at Mola's Pass and ended up at Purgatory Flats and climbed what eight peaks, give or take, um, in the Wemi, and that was a lot of fun. That was sort of like the big culmination of like summer's over and we have some fitness to burn. Um, we made Megan no. carry. We made Megan carry seven days of food, (laughs) which we can ask her how she liked that. (laughs) That was my question. Are these trips like meant to be like, we have fitness to burn. We're going to be like pushing our limits or are they meant to just be like, we're just going to go explore. Um, I mean, I think like I would not have tried that Wemmy trip early in the season, like unacclimated and on, on fitness sized. Is that a word? It is now. (laughs) On fit. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I mean, I think like it's always like at the end of summer, there's something to be said for like, if you're mountain fit to go do something big and dumb that you, yeah. um, not necessarily the burn the fitness, but to take it, take advantage of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was a fun trip. And then what do you remember about carrying all that, all that weight? Were you like, Esther, you have to carry my bag or were you like, give me more. i'm not a huge i'm not a huge fan of heavy packs um (laughs) so it all it all started like my i like i grew up in a very outdoorsy family we fished we um like did some hunting we uh had like lake life and cabin life in minnesota where i grew up Um, but i never went on a backpacking trip until my freshman year in, in college and um I did that thing with my dad where you walk into REI and you say, what's good? And of course the dude outfitted me with like the largest pack and the hugest sleeping bag and all of these things. And like, didn't look at the fact that like, I'm a pretty little lady um, and I didn't know any better. And so I did things like filled the entire backpack. And this was like an expedition size backpack. My friends and I road trip to Arizona Um, And we tried to climb up into some mountains and it was brutal. It was terrible. I hated it. And ever since then, I have been on a mission to like carry as efficient of a backpack as possible. Um, I think you enjoy it more. I think there's, you know, there's a marriage of bringing little enough, little enough gear to stay light and move quick and feel good, but carrying enough to stay healthy and safe. And so like, that's, that's been like my journey with my backpack over the years. And um, whenever the backpack gets a little bit heavy, whether it's um, carrying more bad weather, cold weather gear, extra food, I do like to whine a little bit. And Esther likes to laugh about that. (laughs) I once um, was talking to someone and said that I really should work. Like I know that the proper response to your adventure partner suffering should be like empathy and like encouragement. And I was like, but I just laugh. (laughs) <laughs> I just laugh at them. And I, I feel like this is, I should work on this as a personal development thing that laughing should not be my initial response. No, <laughs> no. I think laughing is an appropriate response. Cause you're just like, whatever, like this is part of it, you know? 
But like we had to, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and this is like, you know, chosen suffering or chosen misadventuring. Like we very much chose this. So I, yeah, laugh away. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, what kind of misadventures have you guys been in? Um, I convinced Megan to walk down the Perea Canyon as an overnight. So it's 40 miles and we got a last minute permit. And the reason we got the last minute permit was because the weather forecast was terrible. <laughs> like awful, like highs and like, I don't know, 40s maybe. But so you're the Perea Canyon, you like have to walk through, you have to wade through this river for pretty much 40 miles or 20 miles of the 40. Um, a lot of water crossings and the water was a little high. And yeah, like we hemmed and hawed, like we had the permit in hand and in the morning up, we sort of like hemmed and hawed, like, should we go? Cause it was snowing, we woke up to snow. We were camped at the trailhead and it was snowing. You're we like, mm, maybe this isn't such a great idea. I just want to add that we uh, were at the trailhead. I was sleeping in my car. Esther was sleeping in her tent, which she forgot to bring the, the fly the fly for so she had some sort of tarp of mine like <laughs> mostly covering it and she woke up and it yeah so it's like march in the desert it's snowing it's not warm and she's like oh this is so nice let's go for a fun adventure there you go you <laughs> but so we like like it was like we woke up we drank some coffee we were like no we're not gonna go this is dumb this won't be fun um, let's find something else to do. And then at like 10.30, the sun pokes out a little bit and we're like, oh, we can still do 20 miles today. Like we can get 20 miles down this canyon. And so we like pack up all our stuff um, and start down. And we're like, well, as long like if it turns really miserable early, we'll just turn around. Like as long as like, we'll go like eight miles and if it sucks, we'll turn back. And like, I feel like the first five miles were lovely. And then it got real cold. But then like by that, by that point in time, it's like, we're too far to turn back like the momentum was going down the canyon and really like I I thought maybe Megan was no longer ever going to talk to me again after that (laughs) (laughs) so you guys are like soaking wet this whole time I like mid mid chin down like we're in water the whole time and it was pretty cold it was really cold and Megan was not she her feet got cold it, um, I don't and understand how Esther's toes did not feel the depth of chill that my toes felt. And the whole time I was questioning, how, how does she not feel the same sensation? <laughs> yeah, that's wild. My, I went to the, I took my kids to the Denver Zoo lights last night and I was like complaining because I couldn't feel my toes by the end. You guys are I, in like a freezing cold river in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I think probably it's like I've done so much damage to my feet that they just like go numb. And then it's just like, okay, well, I can't feel my feet. Off we go. Um, but it ended up like it was beautiful. You have to give me that. It was beautiful. Yeah. And we had a lovely night of camping. And then the next morning, um, it was cold again. But then it got warm. So I don't know. There's the et- like eternal optimist right there. But then it got warm. Then it got warm. Yeah, it, was <laughs> it, was nice. it was cold for a bit and then it got warm again. We're good. It was only about uh, 24 hours of coldness in a 36 <laughs> yeah. hour trip. So it was okay. It was great. So, but on the morning, so you know, your Perea Canyon is in places like a couple hundred foot deep narrow canyon. And this is like winter time where 
um, the sun doesn't pass through the highest part of the sky. And so it was hours of shade. Like, you know, when you're at your campsite, you're in your sleeping bag, you're in all your warm clothes, you're tolerably warm, you've got your, you know, all your dry clothes on, but then eventually you have to take that off and, and continue on. And so we did, you know, the second morning and it's hours of cold shade until the warmth came, maybe three. Um, and uh, it was as cold as my feet have ever been. Like I haven't done a crazy race in Alaska like Esther has. Um, I, it was so uncomfortable that I had to employ like the live in the moment, survive the moment, ultra runner mentality of counting my steps. Uh, in order to like, tolerate the circumstances. So I would just count my steps as we were crossing the river until my feet were out of the water and had a little bit of respite till the next water crossing. <laughs> that sounds rough. What's the conversation at the end of that? I mean, by the end though, you're happy, right? I, I mean, yeah, I think we, we came out of that a little bit rough, um, but I think satisfied. Were you satisfied, Megan? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily sign up for the exact same experience again. I definitely want to go back and do pre again. Um, you know, maybe do, you know, some of the side trips and go a little bit slower so you can see it better. We had this really cool experience where, you know, we're just chasing the sun. Our feet are these stumps this morning and we can see, um, nobody's been in this canyon. There's no new human footprints. And this is like a fairly popular trip. And as Esther said, the weather had scared a lot of people away. And um, um, we were following no human footprints, only fresh big horn um, sheep footprints. And, you know, we are going around these corners and we kept saying like, we're gonna see them at some point. It's just us and the big horn sheep. And sure enough, we did. And like, they're pretty, rare special animal you know to be out there in the middle of this fairly popular canyon with um and that yeah i mean the canyon opened up the sun came we were actually hot and you know ready to be in like out of the sun and in shade by the end of the day and it was you know temporary chosen suffering for sure yeah yeah, yeah. what do you what do you learn through some of these experiences like how has it helped you grow in your everyday normal life not out in a canyon with bighorn sheep oh i don't know <laughs> you talk <Megan. laughs> i think esther i think you're my hero like i honestly do i'm like she's just like yeah whatever like throw anything at me i'm i'm ready for it i mean i think i think that what the outdoors and being in the outdoors teaches us is that we like what like get on my bike racing career it was always I took the approach of like you can plan for all these things going wrong and you can like come up with ideas of like well if this happens I'll do this and if this happens I'll do this but it's always something completely out of left field that hits you upside the head and it's like I'm not a very good planner of trips like Megan has taught me to be a much better planner in our adventures together and to have faith in my plans. But for me, it's always, I've just been like, you go out and you deal with any situation that comes up with whatever skills you have. And like the 
idea that you don't panic when something doesn't go according to plan, I think is a really valuable life skill that I maybe rely on a little too much in the outdoors that maybe a little more research time would um, (laughs) do me well in some situations. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Megan? Yeah. I mean the exact same thing. I think like the ability, adaptability, resilience, just ability to cope. Like those are, those are skills that, you know, cross pollinate across whatever you're doing, whether it's sports or life or work or whatever. And um, I mean, it's not, it's not really the same thing, like dealing with a a real life crisis as a um, sort of a feigned, you know, feigned issue that you've like created for yourself out in nowhere, but the, the skills do cross over for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, I wanted you guys a little to talk a little bit about kind of the different mindsets you have. Like you're, you both are high level competitors in your sports. Um, and I just want to kind of see like, where are you at with competition versus just going out and having these, these fun times in the outdoors? Like, can you kind of describe the difference between those two? Um, I no longer, like I haven't raced competitively since, oh no, that's not true. I gave up bike racing in 2013, um, after some health issues and then swore that I wasn't going to do any, um, running racing. Like running was just going to be like this fun thing that I was doing because I was burnt out of riding bikes that I picked up in like 2015 ish. Um, and then I ran, I ran some ultras because, um, because I did, um, because <laughs> you enjoy pain. There's a story behind accidentally getting signed up, um, for the URA 50 and then doing the URA 100 the year after, um, and then the 50 the year after that, because why not? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but since then, like I haven't had any desire whatsoever to race like for me it's all about getting out um and getting out with friends has really been like when I was a racer I used to do everything solo like all my training rides were solo all my racing was like it was multi-day bike packing um where I didn't see anyone for days on end and now it's like for me to like not do something with a friend like it's pretty rare like I really seek out like friendships and shared experiences for my adventuring um, but no, I like to support Megan's racing and I like to support friends racing, but I don't, I have no desire to actually like try that hard. Yeah. <laughs> Could you tell like a shift in your mindset? Like when you decided to kind of like leave that part behind a bit? I mean, like I raced, I never liked who I was when I was a racer. Like I just, it just felt very, um, I didn't get along well with the women and I didn't make like any good female friendships. Um, which is part of the reason, like when I like started running, I was like, I just want to be friends with all these women and go running with them and not yeah. like feel that competitive thing, which I apparently have no personal ability to control. And so when I raced the year 50, that was like a super last minute thing, like signed up for it the Wednesday before, um, bought myself some trekking poles and off I went that Saturday. Um, so there wasn't really, like, as you do, as people do. I mean, right? That's Three normal, days. right? Yeah, totally normal. <laughs> um, but so there wasn't like the like the mental buildup of like training and getting to race weight and yada yada yada. Um, 
but then when I, a bunch of us signed up to race the hundred the year after, and like, I went training with um, some of my friends who were also racing. And then it's like, I found myself like watching them being like, oh, well, they're climbing really well and they're descending way faster than I am. And just like in my head being competitive with these women who like were my good friends. And I was like, I don't want to be competitive with these women. Yeah. Um, so I like, raced the hundred because I was signed up. And so I did it and finished it. Um, not gracefully, but finished it. <laughs> and then the next year I was like, I'm done racing. Um, totally done. And then like the day before the year, a 50, like signed up last minute because I have no self-control as you um, also do. No, <laughs> as I also do, but like, I, I mean, I did it and it was very much like, okay, well, I know that I can do this Yeah. and I know I can do it in like a decent amount of time, Yeah. but there wasn't like any sort of satisfaction that came out of it. I was like, okay, well now I'm really tired and I didn't sleep all night. So like, that's great. Um, and so for me, like that was sort of like the end of like, I'm not actually into this anymore. Yeah. Like there's way better ways to spend my energy points than doing this. What do you find like when you were out there supporting someone then like, how is that kind of like juxtaposed against the actual racing? I think it's because like, I think that when you're doing something that's not because racing, it really is all about you. Yeah. And I think I really like, as I've gotten older, I've really been not into that. Like, it's all about me. Like, but like, if I can help a friend reach a goal, then that's more fulfilling to me than like actually um, reaching a racing goal or something like that. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> and I don't have to run the whole hundred miles. I can just do like 20. <laughs> Which is even better. Yeah. Even, no, that's. And you get to eat the aid station food and you get to be part of it. And Heck yeah. Dude, honest. Megan, you got to write an article about that. Like, the really, the real secret to ultra running is. When you don't alter run, when you're the support crew and you're like, this is actually awesome. I get to get the experience. I get to get the good vibes from everybody, but I don't have to run hundred miles. Pacing, I, I wouldn't say crewing without pacing is the best gig because crewing is simply hard, yeah. um, but like crewing slash pacing or pacing is the best gig in ultra running. Um, Esther can probably tell you a great story about eating uh, cake while pacing me during hard rock this past year um, she got to take full advantage of the aid station whereas like by that point in the race my stomach had rebelled and cake made me want to think about vomiting <laughs> well you were vomiting like as we were sitting on the side of the trail and I was sitting there eating this piece of cake from the aid station and Megan's like doubled over on her poles like puking your guts out and I'm like well this is fun <laughs> Megan it's pretty good cake over here you good this is exactly how it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Megan, what, what have you not done in the sport of ultra running? Um, I, I, uh, early on experimented with like flatter, faster ultras, yeah, yeah. um, and, and did a little bit of it, but, uh, pretty, um, because I came from, you know, uh, like competing and road running and before that like collegiate in high school and so I came from like sort of you know where numbers and analysis and pace and effort were all you know these measured very careful things and so when I first crossed over to ultra running and trail running it was fun to like kind of experiment with running flatter faster stuff and see how you know pacing for 50k worked pacing for 50 miles worked but I 
I soon saw that um, like my heart was drawn to like more wild places, bigger, rougher um, terrain. So I think I've done a far less, um, far less flatter, faster yeah. stuff than at this point than I have like just mountain and wild stuff. Do you have a specific race that like is your favorite or one that like stands out? I mean, I have to imagine hard rock, like if you live up in Silverton. I don't pick favorites very well. <laughs> oh, that's the same answer I give my kids and my <laughs> students. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't, I don't have favorites. No, I um I definitely I, guess, yeah. I definitely have a little bit of like um shiny object, um, that shiny object feeling in me where it's like, ooh, there is a race and a fun mountain range that I haven't been to. Oh like, yeah. Let's go try that. But then yeah. also, yeah, I mean. I, the re- there's a reason why I live most of the year in Silverton now. And it's because like the hard rock and the, the San Juans and the Silverton community have like embedded themselves pretty, pretty, you know, strongly inside my, my heart. And that just is what it is. Like, you don't, you don't make that decision. Like things just come and take residence inside your heart without you having much control over them. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely like, see shiny objects out there and want to go see what they are but like there are a few things that have residence inside my heart whether I want them to be there or not yeah yeah well I kind of wanted to wrap the interview a little bit with I just want to ask you guys a little bit about your creative endeavors a bit um Megan we've mentioned writing uh you wrote a book called where the road ends guide to trail running um and then Esther you're you've been doing photography lately uh, over the last couple of years, which is awesome. And I've told you the, all the bird pictures make me want to go out and try to take bird pictures, which (laughs) you might be the only person I've ever said that sentence to. Um, but I want to hear like, how is that? Like, what do you guys find from that? And how does that kind of like give you energy in life? I think for me, like the photographer, like I've always been a documenter. Like I've always had like the little point and shoot cameras, like even long before phones were um, what phones are now. Um, but I think like once I stopped like focusing on like going really fast or going really far, I needed something to like keep me entertained. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know, like I have a short attention span and I need it. I always need to have something that my brain is working on. And I think photography and sort of delving deeper into um, documenting experiences in a more than just like a point of camera and shoot and hope something turns out way. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's definitely enriched my outdoor experiences, but it's also just been like a separate, like a little tangent that like a little shiny thing that I've chased the past couple of years is of this is a fun new way to experience the outdoors. Yeah. Does it make you appreciate, like, have you gone to a place that you've been many times, but now you're looking at from like a photographer or with a photographer eye? Like, do you see a place differently because of it? I mean, I go, I mean, for sure. Yeah. Cause it's like, like, instead of just going to a place to recreate, it's like, I now go to a place not only to recreate, but to like put together a good image. And so it's definitely, it's a different mindset of, of how you approach the day. Like you're not there to like get from A to B as quickly as possible. It's like you get to point from A to B 
but hopefully shoot some good photos along the way too. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I do have to remark that Esther is so good at still moving quickly and like knocking off a good shot in like one take or, (laughs) you know, try it in this spot and then try it again in 10 minutes. Like of all of the outdoor photographers I've walked and ran around with, like, there's no repeat sequences, <laughs> which is pretty amazing uh, what she produces off yeah. of one take, right? She's not like being like, go back over towards that beautiful mountain vista. Um, I, try, I try not to, because I, I, I don't want to like annoy my adventure partners. By <laughs> I don't want to be like, the, oh, go do that again. And then people are like, oh, we don't, don't go adventuring with Esther because all she does is take pictures. Yeah. yeah. So it, it's, it's a balance. It's basically like... Um, I'm like forgetting the phrase off the top of my head right now because we haven't been out with each other in a couple of months. Um, but she'll tell you something like go slow for a minute so she can like get 10 footsteps ahead of you and set up a shot. Um, it's my yeah. photo intervals. <laughs> That's like legitimately the reason why photographers have to be in shape. It's like, hold on, I sprint ahead. You're like sprinting as fast as you can just to get 20 yards up the trail. And like the people who I don't adventure with often, who I try this with, like especially like the competitive people who are still um, racers, don't understand that like when I say, like Megan and I have developed the like vernacular, I guess, of like go slow and she'll like stop and look at a flower or whatever. <laughs> um, and I'll sprint ahead and do my thing. But like if I tell certain other people like, oh, go slow and then like pick up the pace and try to get up ahead, they'll view that as like, Oh, Esther's taking up the pace. Let's go and like sprint along with me. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just stop. Give me 15 seconds. I need 10 steps, people. 10 steps. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And Megan, so for you going out and doing a race or covering, you know, some sort of topic in trail running, does writing about it make you interact with it differently or? You know, like if you're out on a run, are you going through ideas like this is how I'm going to describe this or something? Um, I, I am, I have to answer this question in a couple ways. Cause I think I'm at a different phase in my um, life right now. Like, I think I'm mostly an editor and not a mm-hmm. writer. And that okay. causes you to see your world and look at everything in different ways. Um, like, I think I previously like went through running sort of with more of a creator's um, creator's aspect where it'd be like you try to commit that thought to memory or you stop and you write a note on your phone so you remember it for later um, or you take notes at the end of a, a long adventure so you've got it kind of all documented um, so you can actually craft a, a story based on fact and feeling um, yeah. later on um, but I think I'm at I'm I largely work as an editor rather than a writer right now which means like my job is to help other people tell the best stories that they can and like just get good stories out there. So um, I think like my vision on my own running and the running of other people that I go out and watch is like, um, how can I absorb this and process it and put it back out again and in a way that the the most people will understand. Um, So what's a, you know, I have a perspective on everything, but everybody brings their own perspectives. So I'm often thinking of like, well, what would, how would this person think about this moment? Or how would uh, this person think about this race? And so, yeah, it's definitely like a, 
can you get out of your own head and can you get into the heads of others type of mindset that I carry around these days. That's interesting. How did you develop that editor mentality? Was it just through doing it? Um, I'm not a trained, um, like editor. Yeah. I'm, I'm trained in education and communications. Um, but over in that realm, like, Mm. you know, we're, we're trained that, um, it's not about what you say or what you do. It's about, uh, how, what you say and do is received and understood. Um, so like in communications, you're always taught about like, how will, what you say right now be received by lots of different people. And I've found that like, you know, editing, editing stuff for I run far is, is about that. It's about like looking at it from our readers standpoint. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of like all these things I learned in previous jobs coming into play in my, like in your current everyday thing. I just think that's so cool because I've done things where I'm like, there's no way doing this job is going to pay off in the future. And then you're like, whoa, I'm drawing from that experience. Like it's super cool. I still haven't like found like calc to being applicable to life, but that's okay. Der- derivatives, <laughs> integrals or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Um, I, I want to say like Esther, just like I said, you know, being able to talk with you, seeing you at that race, uh, earlier this fall was just so cool and so inspirational. Um, and your bike got ran over at one point. That was the last time I saw you. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think like what you're doing is so cool and something that I definitely look up to, uh, both of you and going out there and just exploring and, and really just adventuring for adventure's sake, because ultimately to me, that's why I like doing any of this stuff, ultra running or biking or anything, you know? Yeah. I mean, we all just like being outside, right? That's the thing. At the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, you, all the other stuff is great, but just being outside is the best part of it all. I don't know. That's my take-home lesson. Outside is good. (laughs) We've come to the conclusion of outside is good. The meaning of life. Outside is good. Outside. The meaning of life is outside, guys. Just go. Um, No, that's awesome. Where, Where can people kind of like follow your adventures or your various projects you're working on? Um, Instagram, I guess, is or Facebook. Um, do you do like little like show links at the bottom? Yeah. Yes. I'll do those because I've been told I need to make my Instagram handle like more family friendly or not family friendly, but easier to type. Um, I gotta look up what your Instagram. Oh, what? No, I like your Instagram. Well, that's what I said. Uh, So it's, it's as gone Cotty Wampling and the American audience says, well, what's Cotty Wampling and to Cotty Wample is to stride purposefully towards no particular destination which I think is exactly what I do. Perfect, perfect description then. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also, yeah. So I, I like my Instagram handle, but people are like, you should make it more professional. And I'm like, mm, I don't want to be professional. Hey, I have so. a podcast about adventure and it could be like, you could call it like the adventure podcast or something where people like could search it, but I call it like a Bigfoot because it's just, that describes it to me. I'm like, yeah, which is way better. Kid? Yeah, it's way better, right? It's yeah. more so interesting. You can, you can find me on Instagram in the show notes. 
There we go. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Megan? I run far.com and I run far on all your social media channels. And I do just want to say that um, Katawampling like is, I think that represents Esther's theme of life, like, you know, going purposefully with intent in no particular direction. <laughs> and um, I think that describes her to a T and that describes uh, why she's a hero to me. And, um, you know, because I think my brain likes to pick a destination and try to work for it, whether it be an athletic goal or, you know, some performance goal with the website. And she reminds me that the, the it's the striving purposefully and not going any particular direction is that the actual, actual best joy. In yeah. <laughs> Howdy Wampling. That's it's so Zen. You know, and it's the, what is it? The journey, not the destination. That's what you're describing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Uh, I would love to catch up with you at some point or go on a run, Esther, when you're back in Boulder. Let yes. me know. I'd love to go with you and Scott, my kind of cousin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That wraps up the show. And if that didn't make you want to go stomping through a creek, in extremely cold temperatures for miles and miles and hours and hours. I don't know what will. I don't know what will. And by the way, that's an experience I feel like we all should have. You know, obviously, be safe, make the right decisions, um, but suffer a little and uh, do it with a friend, do it with a buddy. And it's it it turns into that fun type two, uh, type two fun that we all hear about so much um, and love. And those are the things you look back on and laugh and what kind of brings people together um that would be a very weird holiday movie by the way i was just thinking like bringing people together that is the holiday that's the holiday thing that could be a holiday movie and if the holiday film was just a couple adventurers being like hey meet me at this canyon it's going to be kind of cold we got <laughs> we got the passes because people canceled and then they did and then they celebrated christmas by like just pushing on and, and freezing and being like mildly miserable, but also weirdly enjoying it. I'd watch that movie. I don't know. I don't know how you'd make it Christmas themed, but you know, you, you'd figure something out, you know, put some like bells in the soundtrack. You're good. You got yourself a Christmas movie. Um, so yeah, it was awesome. It was a pleasure talking with them. They're absolutely amazing. I'm hoping to have both of them on the podcast, uh, again in the future. Um, Yes, like Megan, I was just looking at her ultra uh, ultra sign-up results. And there are so many races I want to hear about, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I have to hear some of those stories from her ultra running career as well because, dude, she's done so much, which is which is amazing. Um, but, yeah, that kind of wraps it. Uh, I'm going to next week, uh, as of right now, the plan is I'm – probably not going to put out an episode on Friday. It would be Christmas question mark is Friday Christmas. Let me look on my phone while doing the podcast. Uh, no, Friday's Christmas Eve. Um, <clears throat> so probably not going to do that. Probably not going to put it out. Might put some out the week after, uh, definitely will put it out Friday the week after, but who knows, maybe there'll be an episode earlier on. Um, but if you're out there, and I, I am aware for me and my wife <clears throat> and our family, the holidays can be, they can be challenging sometimes. We 
a lot of people are in the same boat, but we experienced the loss over the holidays about 10 years ago. And um, it's hard to also like now it's it's strange because you have to kind of like experience this joy and these amazing times with your family, you know, when we're playing with our kids and doing all that. But in the back of our minds and still in the empty space in our heart, we we are experiencing a little bit of grief uh, during the holidays. And I know this is something that happens to a lot of people um, and a lot of people out there kind of struggle with that. And it's this weird mixture of, you know, loving the holidays for what it brings with time with family and and all of that. And like I have little kids right now, like watching their face light up in the magic of Christmas time. Like, come on, nothing's better than that. Um, but also having to balance that with like people who have lost somebody during this year or another year or whatever. And this might be the first Christmas without a family member and all of that. So um, I just want to say my heart goes out to everybody out there. If you're struggling even a little bit in the holidays, even if it's not something serious, but it's just stressful. Like I get you. I feel you. Um, you can do it though. Like keep putting one foot in front of the other. Uh, keep looking around for that joy for that positivity um you'll find it you find what you look for um just like in this episode when they're talking about going on an adventure and there are aspects of it that are miserable and there are aspects of that same adventure that are enlightening and beautiful and awesome and hilarious like your experience really is what you're looking into the world around you right like if you're looking for negative stuff you're going to find it but you also can look for that joy look for that fun times look for that positivity um so anyways just saying if you're out there struggling keep on going you got this look for some look for some of the positives that you can find every single day um but yeah uh that kind of wraps it we're gonna come back uh like i said the week after christmas and We'll jump right into a new year. Oh, also at some point, I'm going to update you on our film that we made this summer or we filmed this summer. Um, I got a chance to go in, <laughs> me and my buddy Cornejo, who helped film the movie with us. We got a chance to go in and talk to our middle school audio visual class today and do like a, they asked us questions and we did a little presentation, showed them a little video clip. Um, so we're, so in other words, we're, we're big time in it, obviously in that middle school, seventh and eighth grade audio visual class. Um, but no, it was awesome, man. And the, the experience of making, making this now we're in post-production, obviously we're editing and it's a long <clears throat> drawn out experience in such a good way though. I am loving every second of it. I've made like a really close friend with our editor, Josh. He's an amazing and we talk almost every day as we're working through different scenes and things like that. Um, but it's funny because I have had people come up to me and they're like, oh, you filmed the movie this summer. When's it come out? And I'm like, man, we <laughs> like there's a lot to do. There's a lot to do still. Um, but we're at the point where we finally have a first fully assembled film. Um like a first really rough cut of the whole uh, of the whole film. And now we go in and talk about it, what works, what doesn't work. We edit different parts, put, you know, try to 
try to make sure we're telling the story in the best way possible. Uh, and I am so psyched for everyone to see it, which is really exciting. Um, it's really nerve wracking for something you've worked so hard on. Like by the time people see it, it'll probably be like two years from the conception of the idea to people actually seeing it, if not a little bit more. And that to me is thrilling, but at the same time, it's like, oh my gosh, we've worked so hard on this. We've put in so many, so much time and, and love and energy into this project. And like, you know, it's, it's, you put it out there though. Like you put it out there for judgment. And with this podcast is funny because I put this out there every week, but in my mind, I'm still like, I think the only people that listen to it are my mom and my friend Brady, um, you know, and and so with this, though, it's like, oh, you could like potentially like watch it while people are watching it. And then you're just like, oh, my gosh, like I hope they I hope they take away the what we're intending, you know, like what are the big themes and and hope they're entertained while also being like enlightened and seeing another person's perspective and all that stuff. So but yeah, I'll give you guys more of an update sometime in the new year. So. Yeah, but anyways, uh, we'll get back at you in a couple weeks, sometimes after the holidays. I hope you all have a wonderful, happy holidays. Enjoy your family. Enjoy time with them. Put everything else aside. Do the things that are the most important um, for you and your family and your happiness. So, all right, talk to you later.